Well, Merry Christmas. Well, that was pretty good. Merry Christmas up in the balcony. <laughs> We're glad to have you all here this morning. I want to ask this question uh, before we get into the service. We're not going to do what we normally do, but if you're a visitor for the first time, we're not going to give them a welcome packet this morning, but if you just raise your hand, we'd like to welcome you. If you're here for the first time, we're just glad you're with us this morning. Praise God. And that you've shared this Christmas morning with us this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, the all that we know about the real meaning of Christmas comes from scriptures. And so we're going to have today, we're going to have two sets of scripture readings uh, to give us what the real story is. So I'm going to invite up to this pulpit right now, Everett Young and Dami Olawi, and they're going to give the first reading. John 1, 1 through 5, and 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know of him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all that did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of the man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7. For unto us is a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and his peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. Amen. You. you guys did great. Praise God. This is a Christmas service, but it's also a Sunday service. So we will, as God has given to us, we're going to now have an opportunity to give back to him. So we will be receiving our normal tithes and all, his tithes and our offerings. If you need an envelope for your giving, the ushers are in the aisle. They'll be very happy to serve you.
What a beautiful day God's given us. You're, you're, you're a beautiful sight. You really are a gorgeous sight. I have such an excitement in my heart. My wife and I were talking on the way over for this coming year. There's such an, I almost can't wait to get through Christmas to get to the new year because of what I really believe God's about to do in our lives and our families and here. In the, in the, uh, in the uh, balcony? Okay, all right. Praise God. Anybody else? <clears throat> Let's pray, and then we're going to be ministered to in wonderful music. Father, again, we thank you. We've come here to celebrate what you've given to us. And there's no way that we can repay you or would even begin to try to repay you for what you've done for us. But we want to honor you, first of all, with the tithe, because the Bible says that that's our, yours and that you've given that to us that we may worship you with that. So we bring the tithes to you this morning to worship you on this Sunday morning. But we also bring to you our free will offerings because we love you. We love you and want to see the kingdom of God continue to grow and increase the lives of other people blessed as you have blessed our lives through others giving. And for this privilege, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bless the people.
rugged cross was my cross too. Still every breath you drew us, hallelujah, 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 some men just put this down for a moment. I happen to notice up here what I think are some presents. Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't get too excited. This is a lesson. This is not a... Well, indeed. There are a couple of presents here. Well, presents and kids go together. So why don't the children just come on up here for a minute? I've got something I just want to talk to you about. Just come up and sit around. Just sit right down here. There you go. Whoop. I'm going to keep these here. Whoa. All right. <laughs> sit down. Let's sit down. My goodness. Woo. Sit down so your parents can see you and take pictures. <laughs> wow, we are a blessed church. This is the future of our church. There comes my grandson over there. <laughs> Praise God. Wow. Now, i got to explain to you, first of all, I'm not giving these away. <laughs> i get it clear up front. Anybody knows what these, what's this is? It's a Christmas present, right? Yeah, it's a Christmas present. Now, do you know what's inside of it? No. Why? Because you, you have to open it. Because what's good in a present isn't the outside, is it? Because these... These two look exactly the same, except they got a different color ribbon. So you can't tell what's inside by looking at the outside, can you? Nope. But you know that's true of you too? You can't tell what's inside of you by looking at the outside either. Because do you know that just like these are presents, you're a present also. So the only way you can know what the real present is, is to look inside. So anybody want to open this one? Uh, All right. Well, Everett, you did a great job this morning. I want you to open it. Don't get too excited. I'll, I'll and then I want you to show them what's inside. Nothing. Nothing? I knew it. Nothing? And there's something in the way. Ugh. Who wants an empty present? Me, so I can just squeeze it 
get rid of that one. Now this one I got to open because of what is inside. But I want to see who knows what this is. Whoa. We got a pouch here. What in the world? Is this? It's a pocket, a hypnotizing thing. <laughs> what shows have you been watching? <laughs> they do use that sometimes, Dimitri. They'll do this to you. Now wait a minute. Why is why is this why is this so special? It's just a pocket watch. Why? Well, that's a good part of it. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, to know the time? Okay. Anybody? Go ahead. Because, ah, this guy's got a smart mind. It's gold. <laughs> Let me tell you why this is so important. Because this watch belonged to my grandfather. <gasps> yes, my grandfather was born back in the 1800s. Shows you how old I am. And it was given to me, he was my papa. I have grandchildren and I'm their papa, but I had a papa. And he was the one that loved me so much. I spent special time with him. He would spend the time to teach me things. And he, I got this watch from him. So what makes this watch so special is not the watch itself, although it's gold and it has some value. What makes this watch so precious to me is who gave it to me. So it has very special meaning to me and very precious to me because the person that gave it to me loved me so much. And what I want to show you this morning is that God has put something in you. You're not an empty present. God has put something in you, in each one of you, that is precious to Him. And that is Jesus, His Son. And you can't see Him in you just like you couldn't see the watch inside this box. But the watch was in there. And what made me handle this box differently than the other is what was inside. And so what God has put inside of you is His own precious Son, Jesus. And that's what we celebrate today. But He didn't just put Jesus in you so that you could enjoy Him, but you are a gift. Just as the presents under your tree or wherever they are today are a gift to you. You are a gift to your parents. You're a gift to your friends. You're a gift to, your, to the people here in church. And you are a gift back to God. So you're precious. Just like this watch is precious to me, your life is precious. And God has something planned for your life that's beyond anything you can imagine. And you may be small now, but someday you're going to be bigger like I am. And then the things that God has put in you, you're going to begin to give away to other people. And the more you give it away, the wonderful thing with God is the more you get. I'm big one, the oldest kid of all. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, Merry Christmas. I'm going to let you go back to your parents and your seats. God bless you. Thank you for helping. I can get up.
Well, let's give all the kids a hand for helping out this morning. Praise the Lord. Well, we're now going to have our second scripture reading. By uh, This is by Babatunde and Hannah. So just wherever you are, if you'd come on up, and let's give them a hand as they come. There she comes. Okay. All right. This is live. <laughs> Matthew 1, 18 to 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ is as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you your wife Mary, for that which is conceived in her is the child of the Holy Spirit, and, you, and she will bring forth his son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with the child and bear his son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Where's my reading? My reading's not up here. It's not up here. Okay. Now there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely, knowing the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Again, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. What a glorious day. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we're right on time. Would you do one more thing? Would you give that watch to my wife? It's still mine, but give it to her. <laughs> Let's pray. We're going to get into God's Word 
and let him speak to us through his scriptures and by the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, we thank you again for this wonderful day that you've given to us. We thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ that we can share this moment with in this time together. And I believe with all my heart, Father, that these gatherings together of your family is so important to you. Just as it is such a blessing to us when our family comes home and we're all together, a blessing to you when your family comes together and loves one another and laughs together and sings together and rejoices together and sometimes even cries together. But Lord, we come together today as your family. We are aware today, Father, that this for some of us is a challenging day. For their memories of those that are not longer with us, Lord, and they're able to share in the holidays and these times, and those memories are still strong. But we thank you, Father, that you are the comforter and you are the, you are the one that fills those voids within our hearts. And we look to you today to do that. And Father, as we've read your word and the story of this wonderful, wonderful day, we're looking now to your spirit to speak into our hearts the, real, the message of Christmas that you have for us today. And for that, we give you thanks in advance. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. <laughs> I had a, an idea for a Christmas message, was ready to do it, and I looked back on what I did last year, and it was the same message I did last year. I said, well, I guess it was good enough last year. But, but something went off my heart yesterday. One of the things I've been learning, and I was sharing this with some of my family last night, is, is well, let me put it back, go back a step to something that I shared with them. This has been, obviously, for those of you who have been here, has been a, ch- a challenging year for me. I've gone through some physical things this year that I never expected to go through, but I've gone through them, and God has been faithful to me. And I've been, but I've learned so much by going through it. And, and I, it's not that I've learned more information. I haven't learned any great revelation that I, or understanding of scriptures that I never had before. But what's happened is my personal relationship with the Lord and with the Father has deepened to a place it's never been before. And it has become the most precious thing in my life, which is before I was seeking it and I would know about God, but to have a real encounter with Him in my heart. And I was sharing with some of my family last, last night. And, and, and I really believe as I was, as I was getting ready yesterday and I got up yesterday and, you know, Christmas is always wonderful, but for a pastor there's pressure. You know, you've got you to outdo last year and you got to, what are you going to say? And what I really began to do yesterday is let it all go and say, Lord, what's, all, what's important this morning is that I just spend time with you. Not talking about, not praying about anybody's need, just, just to be with you. And, and I was just thinking, even as we were I was praying this morning, that this is what's so wonderful and blessed time for us today is we will have our entire family with us today. And, and, and we don't always agree on everything and we're not always doing everything that you know, everybody else likes, but we're together as a family and, and that love is there because that's what Christmas is all about. It's, it's not just about family. It's about the love of what's in a family. And so, so what began to grow in me yesterday is this, I just began to sit in my couch and just love God and let Him love me back. And as I did it, the message dropped in me. And so what God, I believe, wants to share with me from, with you is out of something out of my own heart. And the scripture is one we all know so well, it's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The background to that, of course, earlier in that chapter, you have Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, a religious leader, who is coming to Jesus and he asks him a question. And, and you know, <laughs> Jesus had the ability to read their mail. So if you asked a question, you better be ready for the answer. 
And he asks them a question, you know, which basically says, we know that, that nobody can do the things that you do unless they're sent by God. And he never gets to the question because Jesus answers the question that's really in every man's heart. And that's, he says, for God so loved the world. Do you understand the greatest need, what would solve every problem that's going on in the world today is for people to know how much God loves them. I was in a meeting the other day sharing some things with Tony and Monique Johnson and they were sharing back with me and Tony says, you understand, the church has the answer. What the world needs now is love. I'm not going to go on with that. You don't want me to sing. <laughs> but it's not my loving you and you loving me with my human love and you loving me with your human love. What Christmas is all about, the reason it's we give gifts is because for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And I want to just spend a few moments that we're going to take this morning. It's not going to be, going to be long. And just meditate together on what that means. For God, for God, who is God? He's the creator of everything. I read something a year ago that really began to change my whole thinking about God. Simple, con- simple idea, but it's that because God is who He is, nobody can make God do anything. That's a profound thought. You've never made God do anything. I've never made God do anything. So whatever God's done for us that we asked Him was something He already wanted to do. What that also means is nobody's ever existed that God didn't want. There are no accidents. We heard it read this morning, that in the, I think Everett read it out of John chapter 1, that, 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 that God came that whoever would receive Him unto them, he would become, they would become sons of, that's a relationship, sons of God, not born of the will of man or of the will of flesh, but born out of God. So the children, just as the children exist, you exist because God wanted you. There are no accidents in this room this morning. You may not have been planned or even wanted by your physical parents, but you were planned for and wanted before the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us, by God. And whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're into right now, God wants you. You're His idea. Salvation's His idea. And it's it's important to start with that understanding because without that understanding, we think it all rests on us that I've got to do the right thing and I've got to measure up and I've got to do this to get God to do what I want, need Him to do. No, God's got to get you to do what He already wants to do for you, to receive what He already wants to do for you. For God so loved. Nobody makes God love There's nothing you ever done. There's nothing you can ever do. There's nothing about you in particular that makes God love you. Because if there were something about you or something that you made or something that you did that made God love you, the pressure would be on you for God to continue to love you. There are many of us this morning that at some point in our life really believe God loved us and then we may have slid or slipped or drifted away and now we're not sure whether God still loves us. God didn't love you because you were close to Him. So God doesn't stop loving you because you're away from Him. Because God loves you because God is love. 
He's not full of love. It's not one of his characteristics. It's his nature. It is who he is. For God so loved. I love that little word so. I preached on it before. I think I did a Christmas message on that a number of years ago. So that changes that verse from stating a fact to communicating God's heart. That little word so. Because without the word so, it says God loved the world and gave His only begotten Son. And that's how most Christians, that's how most people that believe in this verse take it. God loved the world and gave His only begotten Son. God loved me and gave His only begotten Son. But the word that turns that verse from a fact into the heart of God is that little two-letter word so. Because what that's about tells us in the rest of that verse is it tells us how much God loves you. For God so loved, and the next word is there, is world. I think we've developed an attitude almost that, well, God loves the church. But before God loved any, before any of it, before the church was, if God didn't love you, then we wouldn't be at the church. You're in the church because God loved you before you were in the church. You're in the family of God because God loved you before you were in the family of God. God, this is, what's, this is, what, this is what stretches us. God loves the world. And the world there isn't just who's alive today, it's everyone that's ever lived. I remember that, that after our, our oldest son Chris was born, and then about three and a half years later, our daughter came along, Emily, and it was like, one of the questions I had was, can I love a second child? And then about six years later, we had two more children come to us, who are here with us this morning, and it was like, can I love four of them? And then they start getting married. It's like, but what I've learned is the more you give it away, the more you have. Because the nature of God's love is that it's not limited. It's not self-contained. And for God loved the world, God has the capacity, His love has the capacity to love the entire world. That means that includes literally billions of people that either don't know Him or hate Him. And He still loves them. We forget sometimes that He so loves the world. Now what does that mean to you? That means if you're in the world, God loves you. In order to be loved by God, you just have to be part of the world that's ever lived. You have to be a human being. So you have to qualify, because as long as you're in the world, you qualify, because God's love covers the whole world. It's part of what Paul prays for the church of Ephesus in, in chapter 3, which is one of my favorite scriptures and prayers, where he prays for the church in Ephesus, that, that God would strengthen them by His Spirit in their inner man so that Christ could live in them. Christ could live His life, His love and life in them and through them. And that's what He wants to do through us. That being rooted and grounded in this kind of love we're talking about this morning, that they would come to know, and that word know means by experience, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. In other words, that, that we would come to know by experience the limitlessness of how wide God's love can cover of how deep God's love can go and how high God's love... So you can't go so deep down in the mire that God's love won't reach you. You can't go so far away from Him that His love can't find you. Because there is no limit 
There's no place you can go physically, emotionally, or spiritually that can get beyond God's love for you. For God so loved the world, and this is the key word, that He gave. That He gave. That He gave. See, this kind of love can't sit still for someone that it loves and not do something. This love has to give. This love has to give. It's compelled to give. This love looks at a need and doesn't decide, can I, should I do this? This love just gives. We talked earlier this year about the, the story of the Good Samaritan. When we got into the, the religious debate that, 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 that the religious leaders were having with you, actually it was, a, it was a lawyer, if I remember correctly. And, and the, the, the lawyer's talking to him about what God's salvation is like and his love. And, and Jesus said, well, with the, the law is, says that you shall, all you got to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might and all your mind, and, and, the, and your neighbor as yourself. And this lawyer doing what most of us lawyers will try to do is try to define the terms to exclude, create an exception. He said, well, who is your neighbor? And Jesus goes into this wonderful story of the Good Samaritan and talks about the two religious leaders, the, the priest and the Levite, who saw a man in terrible need and they crossed the street because it was not, it's not my job, not my responsibility. I've got a job to do for God. But it was a Samaritan, someone hated by the Jews, that crossed the street and was moved with compassion. And whatever it took to bring this man back to health is what he did. Remember, he said, here's my credit card. I mean, it's a modern version of it. You know, took him to the inn. Here's my credit card. Whatever you got to spend to get him, I'll pay for it. And he came back until he's well. And that, that is a communication of God's heart and God's love for you this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now that, <laughs> so it's not just what did he give, not, not just that he gave, what did he give? Now I used an example this morning for the children of my grandfather's, my papa's pocket watch, which is, which is precious to me. Not because it has value, because it's gold, because those kinds of, kind of things don't impress me and, and don't, don't matter to me. But what makes this particular watch, as I shared with the children, precious to me is who, who it belonged to and what he meant to me. Somebody else may have given the watch and I just, okay, that's nice. But he gave this watch to me. It came from him. And it's precious because of the memories I have of him. It's precious because of what he, he meant to me. It's as if I have a part of him with me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're adopted. He was begotten. That he gave the most precious thing he could give. For, those, for us who hated him, were rebelling against him, we're sinning against Him. We're trying to live our own way and do our own thing. He loved us so much that He gave the very best, the very best that He had, what meant the most to Him. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's about this gift that God gave. This is why we give gifts. But there's more to the verse. that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, with a gift, there's two sides to it. 
first of all, has to be given. If, if the giver doesn't give the gift, then, then nothing happens. And, and, and all of us, I'm sure, have had gifts given to us that were sort of obligations. Well, somebody gave, because you gave something to me, I gave something back to you. And those are nice. But the ones that mean something to us are the gifts that were given to us because there was thought put into it, there was caring put into it. I had to learn after years in my marriage that, that, that whatever I chose to give to my wife had to be something that I didn't just do, as I told you last week, at 2 o'clock on Christmas Eve and go shopping as a last-minute thing because what's in my heart then is to fulfill some obligation so that, so, that she, you know, so that I've done what I'm supposed to do. And she may have liked the presence, but I've learned over the years to begin to put some thought into it so that with the gift, whether it has intrinsic value or not, the value it has to her is that I thought about it. I, this, is a, this is a little secret, men. If you thought about it, even if you really bomb out with the present, but she knows you thought about it ahead of time and you planned it ahead of time, that's what matters to them. Now, they like the diamonds or the gifts itself, but what they really want to know is you ma- that you matter to them enough that they put some thought and some heart into it. God planned before the foundation of the world to give you the very best that he had for you. But a gift doesn't mean anything, doesn't do any, anything, unless it's received. So with the way we receive this gift is whoever... So God gave this gift to everybody. But the only ones that receive the benefit of it is whosoever. We've talked about that. Whoever means that's my side. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I want to talk in the few minutes we have left about believing in Him because that's how we receive this gift of everlasting life. And as I've shared with you, everlasting life isn't talking about how long you live because we're all going to live forever somewhere. It talks about where you're going to live forever. And there are only two places the Bible tells us. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And this is how we choose whichever because God's given the gift He's given the opportunity, but it's whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But this word believe is a little tricky, because it's not talking about believing with your mind. Because there's a lot of things we can believe in intellectually. In college, I was a, I was a philosophy major, and so I was taught as my major different belief systems. And, and, I, I, you know, and I was trying to choose as a young college boy how, how to live my life. And so I chose at different times different ones of these philosophies to believe in. But they never changed me. They never filled the need in my life. So you can believe something with your mind, but it's not talking about what you believe in your mind. There are many people I believe that say, think they believe in Jesus because they believe in the concept of Jesus. I grew up in church. You hear me say this almost every Sunday. I grew up in church. As a little boy, I was taught that God so loved the world. I taught the scripture. I believe that God loved the world and that Jesus died for the world. I believe that Jesus, Jesus was the Son of God. Do you know the devil believed that? And that didn't change anything for him. Because you can believe with your mind something but not receive it with your heart. I'll give an example of this because all of us have had this experience where, where somebody gives us something and we open it and say, oh, that's nice, thank you. And we put it back under the tree. 
I don't want to embarrass my kids, but sometimes we've given them presents, and not a major present, you know, and then when they leave and go back to school or something like that, you look in the room and the present's still there. <laughs> now, what that tells me, and I understand because I've done the same thing, what it tells me is what the present meant. It was received like, thank you very much, and that was sincere, but I've had neckties, so I've done it too. I've got neckties that are way in the back of my closet. Okay? That when I opened them, I said, oh, thank you very much. And, and I meant it. But the proof of what that tie means to me is whether I wear it or not. The proof of what you b- believe in your heart is what effect it has on you. So we can equate believing with receiving in our heart that whosoever should believe in Him, see, when we, when, we, when we receive something in our heart, we treasure it. I know where that watch is. So if we have somebody coming in, maybe to clean the house or do something like that, I take that watch with me because if somebody else is going to be in the house, I don't want them to look at that watch and say, you know, that's a nice watch. I think I could go pawn it. I, that watch is important to me, so I, I, I take it and put it in my briefcase that day. I know where that watch is because it's important to me. I don't have to think about it and work it up I don't know, but and it's just, a, it's just and, and there are other things that are more precious to me, obviously, family and things like that. But I'm using it because it was the example I used with the children. So the question is, the question is, if God's given this gift of His Son Jesus, the question is, how have you received Him? How have we received Him? Have we received Him by believing in our minds and saying, oh yeah, Jesus is the Son of God. I confess Jesus as my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. We just, those words just flow off of our lips so easily because in our mind, we agree with them and we believe them. But the Bible never talks about believing with your mind. It talks about what you believe in your heart. And when you believe something in your heart, in order to do that, your heart has to have received it. It has to become part of your heart, of what matters to you, of what you care about. And so to receive this gift that God has given to us is to open the door of our heart and allow Him to come into our heart and have meaning to us in our heart. Now, that's, it's a lot easier to do this with our mind. It's a lot easier to say, you know, I believe in Him with my mind but to allow Him into my heart, now we can be hurt, we can be disappointed, but you can't ever be loved and blessed if you're not willing to be hurt and disappointed, if you're not willing to be vulnerable. And I'll end with this short testimony. What changed me, because as I said, I was raised in church, I believed, I was a deacon in the church we were in. And I believed in Jesus, I believed who He was, but nothing ever changed in me until one night in my living room, after everybody had gone to bed, because something had been working on me. And I know now it was the Holy Spirit to soften my heart. And I've tell, shared this testimony before. I'm not going to go into it right now. And I was getting so uncomfortable because it was like something was trying to break down the walls of my heart. And I know now it was someone. And I was struggling with this. And I was in agony because it was like, I want to believe, but I'm afraid to believe. 
Because we had friends then that were believers and loved the Lord with all their heart and I could see something different in them and I wanted what they had, but I, but I was just afraid and I didn't know what the struggle was. And one night, out of God's grace, in my living room, after all my family had gone to bed, the Spirit of God opened my eyes to see what it was. I was afraid to find out whether he was real or not. Because I could believe with my head and then not be disappointed. But once you give your heart, once you open your heart and open it to that possibility, you become vulnerable to being disappointed. And all of a sudden what I realized, and this was God's grace, was that I was better off opening my heart and finding out that He wasn't real than living the rest of my life in this agony. And that was God's grace that showed that to me. So standing in my living room at probably 1 o'clock in the morning, I I, I uttered this tremendous prayer of faith. (laughs) Jesus, I don't know whether you're real or not. But if you're real, I'm asking you to come into my life. That night, or morning at 1 o'clock, I really believed in Him for the first time. I let Him, invited Him to come into my heart. And I'm telling you, I was not disappointed. All I know, and you got to understand, I was a lawyer with a three-piece suit or a leather V-case. I had my, and I was a State Street lawyer in Boston. So I had pride about what I was. You know, I was, this was, and I'm not an emotional person at that point. You know, I'm intellectual, all that stuff. Something came into me, came into the top of my head. There was a warmth that went through me. There was a love that went into me. And I'm jumping around my living room saying, He's real, He's real, He's real, He's real, He's real, He's real. I got up the next morning. I was like a teenager drunk in love. I was wanting to kiss everybody I saw. I was in love with a heavy guy that gave me my donut in the morning. It was something. And what no idea came into my mind. No principle did I learn. But I opened my heart to receive this gift that God gave to me of His Son. And that was about almost 38 years ago. And I'm just now really at another level unpacking this wonderful gift that God has given to me. So as we close, I want to ask this question. Christmas morning. You give and receive gifts, I assume, or have maybe done that last night. My question to you, have you really, truly received this gift that God has given to you? This is the most precious thing there is. It is the gift of His love for you that will heal you, change you. It will heal all the emotional hurt. It will change you on the inside out, let alone change your eternal destiny. My question is, have you really opened your heart to not just believe with your mind, but receive Him with your heart? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. I'm not going to have anybody come forward. I'm not going to have anybody stand. But what I'm going to do is I want to give you an opportunity to receive the way I've talked about this morning with your heart. I just did it in my living room. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you that opportunity as the, as the choir begins to make their way. That's what's happening up here. I want to give you that opportunity right now. 
And here's what I want to do with every eye closed and every head bowed, please. If that's you, if you want to invite Jesus into your heart this day to receive this gift that will bring that love and joy and peace of the Father that loves you so much into your life as an experience, I'm going to ask you just between you and God to raise your hand. I'm not even looking. Because what I'm going to do is we're going to all pray together. But this is your statement with God saying, yes, I, I, I want to receive this gift from you this morning. You may put your hands down. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody, I want you to pray this with me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for loving me this much. You've given your son to die in my place for my sins. He is a gift of your love to me. This morning, this Christmas day, I receive in my heart this gift of your Son. Come into my life, Jesus, and bring your love, your joy, and your peace, and your life. Thank you for loving me this much. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand together. I'm actually going to get you out early. It's a Christmas gift, <laughs> a miracle. <clears throat> I'm going to ask my wife, would you come up here? We're going to close by singing a little different closing song for Christmas. This is really not quite appropriate for a silent night since it's not a night. But we're going to sing about what it is we're here to do now, which is to go tell it on the mountain. And as before we do this, from Anita and I, from, all the, from our family, from all the pastoral staff here, we want to wish you a wonderful, loving, prosperous, Merry Christmas. And we'll be back here next week, of course, for New Year's, a, a prosperous New Year's. Oh, by the way, for those of you that come here for prayer Tuesday night, there is no prayer here Tuesday night. Uh, we will resume after the first of the year. You can pray at home, but we will not be here this Tuesday.